Are you a nurse interested in innovation, artificial intelligence, robotics, and the future of nursing in the 21st century? Let's talk all about it right here on episode 208 of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello and welcome to the Nurse Keith Show. I am so grateful that you're listening, whether it's your first time tuning in or you've been hanging out with me here on the airwaves for months or maybe for some of you even years. Thanks for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you and your nursing career, and I'm here to share education, inspiration, and ideas that can get you moving in a positive and inspired direction. Meanwhile, if you want to see the show notes for this episode, you can follow along at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 208. Today's guest, we are so very, very honored to have Dr. Bonnie Clipper, the Vice President of Innovation for the American Nurses Association. Dr. Clipper, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's my pleasure, Keith. It is so wonderful to talk with you, and innovation has always been on my mind, and I think about it and write about it and talk about it and dream about it, and I bet you live and breathe it too, don't you? I do spend a fair amount of time on it, yes. (laughs) And what is it about innovation in healthcare and nursing in the 21st century that has captured your imagination. And I'm sure there's many things, but is there something that stands out to you? It's like, this is one of the things that just gets me out of bed in the morning. You know, that's a great question. And I think there's so much that we continue to learn that have yet to be determined. So in nursing world, I don't think we truly know the impact of artificial intelligence or augmented intelligence and robotics and mixed reality or augmented reality, virtual reality. I think those things are going to be utilized more and more in the Mm -hmm. realm of patient care. However, we really don't know how they're going to impact us. So those are really places where I get to spend a little time and kind of hang out and try to understand what is the impact in nursing practice so that we, as the American Nurses Association, can really figure out what are the roles of the future look like for nurses and how do they change? That's a really good point. And you and I both know some people in common who are out there in the innovative space I'm thinking of our friend Tim, who works over at Ohio State University in their innovation studio. And there's plenty of other people doing some great work, like Tim Raderstorff, who I just mentioned, and others. So from your perspective, for the average nurse who is sitting in her unit right now, or maybe she's commuting and listening to this episode and tuning into what you have to say, what are the things that nurses should be kind of keeping their finger on the pulse of right now when it comes to technology and its intersection with the work that we do? Oh boy. Okay. Where to start, right? (laughs) So I would say, yeah, you know, Keith, the first thing that's really interesting is that nurses tend not to identify as being innovators. So I have the good fortune to speak around the country to all kinds of different groups. And when I ask 
audiences of nurses, so raise your hand if an innovator. I'll get a couple of hands to go up. And then I'll ask them if they've actually had to create a workaround to provide care for a patient. And then more hands go up. And then I'll ask them if they've actually MacGyvered anything to care for a patient. And by the end of that, all the hands are up. Right. And as they look around, I try to remind them that that's what innovation is. It's not something that's rocket science or you have to develop a, a gizmo, a gadget, or a device. It's not super hard technology. But we've all had to create workarounds to care for our patients. That's an excellent point. And you know, when I was first deciding to become a nurse, it was in the mid-90s. I was in my late 20s. And my next door neighbor was a nurse and I was chatting with him about my application to school. And he said, you know, if you're going to become a nurse, you need to understand how to be a plumber and a carpenter and a problem solver and a priest and a rabbi and a counselor. And I'm sure in your over 30 years, I'm sure you've seen the same. Oh, absolutely. I think that, you know, nurses are perfectly situated to be in the innovation space right now. We we have incredible skill sets that are pretty robust and, and pretty broad. We're amazing critical thinkers. We can make things work. We're not engineers per se, but we're pretty darn good at getting things to function and to operate and to care for our patients. And what's really kind of cool is that there are so many nurses that have become entrepreneurs or entrepreneurses, as we say. That's right. And they're really advancing their work and are developing companies and startups around technology. So there's some truly amazing stuff going on in the space of nursing where it intersects with innovation. Absolutely. And like I mentioned, Tim Raderstorff over at Ohio State University's Innovation Lab is one. And I know you've done, you've had some interface with Wayne Nix and Amy Nix over at MultiNix Tool, right? You've done yes, some writing yes, with them yep, or work with them? Um, uh-huh, they're incredible innovators. There's Joe Novella, who is the CEO and founder of um, NurseGrid, which started as a software, scheduling software. There are also a couple of nurses, Dr. Paul Coyne and Mike Wang, that actually own a company called um, Inspirin. It's developed a uh, cognitive patient assist device. So there are just incredible nurses out there really advancing the cause and, and doing a great job. The cool thing for me is not only to see this work develop, but it's inspiring more nurses to get into this space. Right. And I'm on the... Um the advisory board. Actually, I was just minted as a member of the advisory board of the National Nurses and Business Association. And we meet every year. And there are people out there who come to our conference or tune into the NNBA who are interested in innovation and technology. And all sorts of ideas get floated around. And in terms of innovation, we have a Shark Tank competition at the conference every year in Vegas. And people come forward with their ideas for innovative, often clinical workarounds or tools or new types of johnnies for patients to wear that are more comfortable and IV tubing friendly, etc. So there's plenty of ways for nurses to innovate. And I understand that, you know, you are the VP of innovation for the ANA and you've been in the, the profession for more than three decades. And you were an executive for 20 years, and over the last four to five years, you've been transitioning to a full-time focus on innovation. And it sounds like you travel all over the world. 
speaking about these emerging technologies. And I noticed that you're even a Robert Wood Johnson Executive Nurse Fellow alumna, and you're an Executive Fellow in Health Innovation Leadership. So where did your interests come from, and what sparked for you this this thirst to understand and then disseminate this information? Yeah, that's really a good one. So I knew I wanted to be a nurse when I was six. I actually have some pretty awesome pictures of uh, me sitting in front of, you know, the uh, kind of the gold kitchen and refrigerator and all that kind of stuff in my little PJs with a paper nurse cap on and a stethoscope. But I knew when I was little, I wanted to do this. As I got into nursing, I was only in it for a couple of years, and it sort of struck me that it's difficult for nurses to truly be heard when we find ways to do things differently or to change them or improve them. So for that reason, I actually started to move into leadership, became a manager, a director, um, and then a chief nursing officer. I was a CNO for 20 years, and I enjoyed that very much. I feel like I really was able to create some incredible caregiving teams in organizations that did a terrific job of providing patient care. I have always had sort of an interest in technology and models of care in that they should be, uh, in my words, kind of blown up and be put back together totally differently. However, in healthcare, we sometimes become an impediment to ourselves Whereas we get very comfortable with a structure and a framework and see it as the only way that things can be done. And I see that as a way that holds us back. It's a barrier. So I began to look at ways that I could change those cultures and become a true change agent in a broad broad, broad way. And that's what kind of led me to really learn as much as I could about innovation. So as a Robert Wood Johnson fellow, I had the opportunity to work with a team of of four other people. We actually authored the uh, Innovation Roadmap, a guide for nurse leaders. And that's a white paper that's available on the ANA's innovation page uh, if people want to find that. But through that work, it took us a year about 14 months to write that. We did an incredibly deep literature search to really try to learn what were the cultures and the organizations that were most successful in becoming innovative. Hmm. And it was pretty inspiring for me because it was really all about change and culture, finding organizations that were willing to mitigate risk, willing to kind of tolerate some failure, certainly never jeopardizing patients, but willing to kind of skin their knees a little bit, and organizations that had leaders that were willing to be bold and to do things differently. So for me, when I was studying that, that really kind of opened my eyes and helped me understand that that's where I saw myself in the future. And that meant I had to pivot from kind of where I was to a different space, which is really this work I'm doing now at the American Nurses Association. And in this role, I've had the amazing opportunity to create the innovation journey for 4 million registered nurses. So that's been extremely fun for me. Wow. Well, how lucky are we that you're there? I'm a member of the ANA, (laughs) and that's incredible. And I want to learn more and read more about the work you've been doing. And I know you published that book, The Innovation Roadmap, A Guide for Nurse Leaders. And you're working on a new book, The Nurse's Guide to Innovation, which is coming out this year or next year? 
It'll be out this summer. This yes, summer. there. Are, there's a team of us, and and you mentioned Wayne and Don Nix. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are actually co-authors. Rebecca Love, Brian Wyrick, Mike Wang, Paul Coyne, um, Vince Biera. So together, we have all kind of met very serendipitously at a variety of events. And as I connected with all of these folks, it, they have incredible gifts and talents, and. I probably receive about 100 LinkedIn messages a week. And quite often what people are asking of me is, will you be my mentor or will you look at my device or will you give me your feedback or can you send me to a place that might help me um, write a business plan? So it, it sort of dawned on me that there isn't this kind of tool, this book out there for nurses, right? You can certainly pick up a business book, but there's nothing for nurses, And we really aren't educated in this manner, yet we're incredibly resourceful, bright people. So as I connected with this group and as we talked about this, kind of pitched the proposal of the book and everybody immediately said, yes, yes, of course we're in. So we're pretty deep into the weeds right now of the actual editing process. It should be out by, I believe, July of this summer. So we're really looking forward to that being used as a tool to actually help nurses advance their own work. That's fantastic. We'll have a link to the Innovation Roadmap. We'll have a link to that book in the show notes and also to your other book, The Nurse Manager's Guide to an Intergenerational Workforce. We'll definitely have that up there. And once the new book launches, we'll add that to the show notes so listeners can find it and also find you on LinkedIn and on the ANA website, of course. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support the show, you also get some pretty nifty premiums and gifts directly from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash nurse Keith. Also, please consider signing up for my newsletter at nursekeith.com so that you can receive my bi-weekly message just for you. Finally, if someone you know could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, even if they do one session, you'll receive credit for one hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit. And you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. Remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits over time. What a deal. Those are my sincere asks of you, dear listener. So now let's dig back into today's topic. I'm curious in terms of AI and robotics, because, you know, we're all starting to interact with Siri on our phones, or if we have an Android, we interact with the AI there. And then even my mother-in-law has Alexa in her little apartment in her assisted living. (laughs) And she asks Alexa for things. And, you know, I had to talk to my mother-in-law. Well, not had to, we had a conversation and she didn't even realize that this was a form of AI 
artificial mm-hmm. intelligence. It didn't even cross her mind. For her, it was just like a cell phone kind of sitting on her table. So it seems like these are infiltrating our personal lives on a daily basis. And I think this is really going to exponentially grow with every passing year, I have no doubt. So what about healthcare? I mean, you've Mm -hmm. lectured about the impact of robotics on nursing and healthcare, and I'm sure you talk a lot about AI. So what are your feelings right now about where we're headed? And I know you said earlier that we don't know what we can really expect, but if you were to put your finger to the wind, if that nurse I mentioned earlier sitting on her unit listening to this podcast, what can she potentially expect to see, let's say, in the next five to 10 years? What would you prognosticate right now? Um, okay, cool. And I might also want to just pause to say 10% of our workforce is male. So we don't want to forget the he's out there either. Oh, that's right. I just used a she this time. I try to be pretty gender, uh, by gender friendly. <laughs> but I hear that. That's right. So what can this person expect? And what should she or he be prepared for? Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a couple of things that are probably going to be bubbling to the top maybe sooner rather mm-hmm. than later. So what, what a lot of people don't truly appreciate is that Netflix, TripAdvisor, Facebook, there are already AI algorithms built in that ascertain what kind of things you read or watch or like. And then through their AI interfaces, they actually give you more of that content. So that's very true. That's a very simplified approach to AI, but it's already in your life. So often people like to think that AI really means creepy, scary robots, right? That take <laughs> over the world. And it, it doesn't, it's already out there. There are some amazing forms of AI that are already in use, being sold uh, right now, and are there are hospitals around the country that have done a wonderful job of adopting them. For example, there are a couple of different tools out there that overlay an electronic health record, and they specifically look for patients that may be headed into a septic episode, so they can actually scour lab results and they detect tiny, tiny differences and trends and patterns over the course of time that may not appear to our eyes and ears to be very different. They also use nursing notes, which is very interesting, and will use through translational databases. They'll zero in on keywords in the nurse's notes. And then finally, they look at the vital signs. So based on lab values, vitals, and keywords in nurse's notes, they're able to pretty successfully identify patients that might be headed into a septic episode before they exhibit signs and symptoms. And as you and I know, if we can actually head that off before sepsis happens, those patients have a much higher chance of survivability and way better outcomes than if they end up with a two full-blown septic episode. And those are being used today. So I see that continuing to increase in prevalence in how it's used and where it's used. From a nursing practice perspective, I think nurses are going to have to understand 
how they operate. They're not going to have to be the data scientists or go in and mine, but they are going to have to understand how they operate. And I think where we are opening this big, broad opportunity, and we at the ANA are really putting a tremendous amount of thought into how will we manage the ethics of these kinds of situations. So for example, if we were to use an AI tool to detect sepsis, what happens if the AI tool tells us this is a patient heading into a septic event, yet we don't see it, so we don't believe it? If we don't react properly and something happens to the patient, are we responsible, liable, because we didn't react, because our human eyes and ears told us something else? Or vice versa, what if we see something and hear something in a patient by listening to breath sounds, bowel sounds, talking to a patient, cognition, and the AI isn't predicting that something is, is going awry? Are, we, are there ethical implications? So we're really looking very closely along with other associations and um, groups, professional groups that are in this kind of ethics space right now to understand what that means to us. So I think that AI is going to continue to grow in its prevalence. I happen to be a fan of robots. <laughs> so um, I think that there could potentially be, well, I think we're going to see more, more service robots or helper bots. Right. And those are basically the ones that will, um, what we call hunting and gathering. Mm -hmm. So we're doing work with a company right now that actually we're studying the implications of uh, service robots and the impact on nursing practice. So is it helpful to have a bot that can actually go fetch you a triple lumen dressing tray? Is it helpful to have a bot that can go bring you another set of sterile gloves or a set of linen because your hands are full? We don't know, and we don't know the implication. And I would say that I think there's still so much for us to learn, but those things really aren't too far down the road. Wow. You just unpacked an amazing array of points and my mind is racing right now. So the first thing I want to say is that all sounds incredible. And I'm sure you have run into, and I've also spoken with people who are pushing back against this, feeling like there's a risk of dehumanization of care and nurses might start to feel less valuable or valued in terms of the impact on care. And I think these tools can be put to use in incredible ways, especially when we can use those predictive algorithms to help us head off things at the past that we don't want to happen. And you brought up these ethical issues, and I'm sure that the ethicists who who live in this particular space have a lot to think about right now and a lot to to talk about because we're moving into territories where we've never been. So for the nurse out there who is concerned about, let's say, one, this kind of science fiction kind of idea that we're going to be losing our jobs to robots. And we have to admit some jobs will be lost to robots. I mean, it happens with all innovations, right? So how does the nurse listening to this show prepare himself or herself to be an innovator and to, to set themselves up for success in a more AI and robot friendly healthcare space. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I think it's a really good question. Okay. So I would, I would say that, you know, if you, if you make an assumption that 
what nurses are best suited for are those task and tactical functions, then potentially you could say, jeepers, um, might there be a bot to replace that? Mm -hmm. However, that's not true. The space that nurses differentiate themselves from any other clinician, right? There's 4 million nurses compared to 1 million physicians. So we know that we outnumber them four to one. We know we outnumber pharmacists eight to one. We know we spend more time with than the patient and their family than any other caregiver. So our skills, our training, our competencies, our expertise is around care coordination. It's around education. Mm -hmm. It's around the assessment piece. It's around pulling together a whole kind of um, treatment plan along with our physician partners and putting that together in the big piece. What we bring to the table isn't the task piece. So often we do that because it's also required of us as part of our roles. So if there were robots that would assist us by hunting and gathering, that isn't a piece that we want to fight over maintaining, but rather let's leverage technology so that we can do the things that we are best at, like that care coordination and care management component, where we truly can do what the patients and families and their support systems need of us. This is especially true when you think about the fact that we're going to be hundreds of thousands, potentially almost a million nurses short in just a couple of years. We likely will never be able to backfill that. Therefore, how can we adopt technology to leverage the skills that nurses have so that we can provide those true nursing functions and let some of those other pieces become technologically enabled? Great. So in terms of fetching those gloves and fetching that triple lumen catheter, I'm sure most nurses would think, awesome, I'd love to send a bot running down the hall to get that for me. And I guess the fear remains maybe more in older nurses than the than millennials that something is going to happen where they're going to be replaced and become less than relevant. And I'm hearing from you that you don't predict that that's going to happen. And I want to ask you, in terms of the actual technology and the innovation and the robotics and the AI and all of these things that are happening, you know, nurses right now can decide to, for instance, say um, to themselves, I'm going to become a super user in Epic because I want to stay relevant and I want to be able to train my colleagues in the use of Epic and remain remain in the forefront of, let's say, electronic documentation and EMR. So that seems like a prudent thing to get really good at these days. That's a marketable skill, right? So when it comes to understanding AI and say a nurse feels the pull, the tug, like you do, this interest and this fascination and this passion to understand these technologies more, can a nurse who doesn't have, let's say, a master's in informatics or a background in coding, can he or she get involved in research or innovation or bringing novel ideas to the table? How would a nurse actually get involved in these amazing things happening out there in the world right now? Yeah, you bet. So we actually, through the ANA, we've partnered with HIMSS to actually do some nurse pitch events. And, and nurse pitch is really our version of Shark Tank. Uh, we did an event 
almost a year ago, last June, with uh, Northeastern University and AARP. Uh, and it was around um, digital solutions to help with aging in place. We just did an event um, at the annual HIMSS meeting with HIMSS. And that was really around digital um, solutions that would kind of promote and transform health. And then we're doing another nurse pitch event at the ANA Quality and Innovation Conference in April, just coming up here at the end of the month. And that's around digital solutions that actually improve safety or outcomes. So we have nurses literally from all walks of life, older, younger, millennials, you know, boomers. It it matters not. We have academics. We have bedside nurses that are um, submitting kind of their great innovations and ideas. And as we go through those, we screen them. And then we do kind of we invite the finalists on site for a live pitch event in front of a panel of judges. Those have been in, received incredibly well. They're very exciting. They're fun for people to watch. And they're very, very fun for those that are pitching. Our approach to this is really around how do we amplify the voice of nurses and help them all learn from this and feel successful? What we don't want to do is just focus on the couple that might kind of, quote unquote, win the prize money. But we really want to figure out how do we amplify nursing so that we all can continue to advance our own devices, models of care, developments, and really see nurses in mass become winners. So those are fun events. We continue to get more and more people. It's incredible to me the number of folks that are submitting applications that are never pitched before to try to you know help them through the process so that they're prepared to pitch in front of a live um, judge panel. That's been really exciting for us. That is super exciting. And for those who might not understand or remember what HIMS means, it is Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society, correct? Yes, thank you. And they're located in Chicago, and it looks like they're doing some pretty innovative work, and they're really on board. And it looks like they even have a big conference happening. It's the Machine Learning and AI for Healthcare Conference in Boston, Massachusetts, June 13th to 14th, 2019. So sounds like they have some pretty cool events coming up, and it sounds like they have a fair number of events that get nurses and others involved in in these innovative paths of thinking and and reimagining what healthcare can be. So that's that's very exciting. And so for the nurse who's interested, should he or she go to one of these summits about innovation? Should they talk to the informatics department in their hospital? Should they take a class or a course or read a book? You know what what would be an actual actionable thing that a nurse could do to start moving into this future that is upon us right now? Yeah, that's a good question, Keith. So I think some of it is determining what excites you about innovation. Some Sometimes it's really creating something, in which case finding an innovation lab or a makerspace mm -hmm. uh, is really a place to kind of get your hands dirty. Sometimes it's a pitch event we actually do the innovation labs. Uh, we will have one coming up at our quality and innovation conference 
and we will have another one at our magnet conference in October. So those are a great place for nurses to come with their ideas, you know, drawn out on a napkin. And, and we have designers and engineers that can assist with thinking through that. The uh, pitch events, those are very fun. That gives you a chance to figure out not only is your gizmo gadget device something that makes sense in the world, but also from a business perspective, is it something that's truly going to succeed or not? So that's pretty cool. We have an innovation award, and that's $25,000 for an individual, $50,000 for a team. Those are offered once a year. Those are actually we have a corporate sponsor that helps to pay for that, which has been incredible for us, and that's BD. We'll be announcing those in April at the Quality and Innovation Conference, so that will open up again for applications uh, next year. When people say they're interested, I think if it's just learning about it, I would say start Googling and start trying to identify which aspect or what about innovation intrigues you. So often people think it's just technology, and it's not. As nurses, we also have incredible, incredible backgrounds to help with innovating social determinants of health or finding ways to improve things like health equities and disparities or models of care or access. So we really, we're the perfect natural innovators and bring so much to the table. So oftentimes it's really just starting to read and jump in and, you know, think through what might interest you and then just keep digging and, and digging and digging. Wow. Fascinating. So we can first use the AI behind Google to start finding out what interests us, (laughs) and then we can figure out where to go from there. And it seems like there are places for nurses to plug in wherever they happen to be. Like if they want to learn about coding, they could take a coding class, or they could go hang out in the informatics department at their hospital and just say, hey, can I volunteer once a week and just see what y'all are doing, right? So you can get involved at various levels. And some people might just want to read and just understand how to keep their finger in the wind and understand what's coming. And I'm, I'm curious, you've probably read or heard about the book Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind by Yuval Noah Harari. Have you heard of that book? Yes. Yeah. And he's an Israeli author. And he also wrote a book called 21 Lessons for the 21st Century and also Homo Deus, A Brief History of Tomorrow. And in his book, Homo Deus, he paints a fairly bleak picture of the future in terms of moving in the direction of cyborgs and wealthy people having more access to life-extending technologies than other people. And he predicts that there will rise a class of quote-unquote useless people who won't be able to work anymore. And some of those scenarios are scary. Some of them are, he admits, fairly extreme. But for the average nurse, it sounds like you're saying that we don't really need to worry right now that there won't be a place for us in 10 or 20 years. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. I, okay. I mean, I, I've actually done a fair amount of reading and it's interesting. Some of the physician related uh, roles, such as pathologist or radiologist, they're actually doing some experimentation now with AI that's able to replicate many of those functions. Everything that I've read says the most important role in terms of being the translator and connector that as of this date cannot be kind of outsourced to a, to a robot or to AI is the role of a nurse. Phew. All right. I'm wiping the sweat off my brow as we speak. <laughs> um, and, you know, 
In terms of your history, we talked about you doing executive nursing and then transitioning into innovation, and you speak all over the world. I just want to let those listening know that you have a DNP from Texas Tech University. You have an MBA from Lewis University, a Master of Arts in Health and Human Services from St. Mary's University, and a BS in nursing from Winona State University. So you've really dug deep into academia. You're a clinical assistant professor at Texas Tech and at the University of Texas at Austin. So in the academic space, where it sounds like you've hung around for a while and you know you you still have your toes in that particular ocean. What are people talking about, or do you think they're talking about, in nursing programs? And are nursing students starting to be schooled in these changes that are coming? Have the nursing schools caught up, and are they keeping up with the changes? You know, that's a really good question. What I'm learning is that it truly depends on the school. So there are some that have um, made some changes and adaptations and are teaching tools around innovation and human-centered design, which is basically it's very collaborative problem solving and it's how we can use humans from kind of start to finish in processes and systems that we design that's an oversimplified definition, but in healthcare, we've not really used human-centered design. We're the last industry to adopt it. So the mere fact that some colleges and, and universities are uh, incorporating some of those things in their nursing programs is pretty fascinating. I think as a whole, nursing education programs are really uh, running very hard to to catch up. There are, of course, some that are ahead of the curve, like Penn and, and Ohio State, mm-hmm. uh, Arizona State as well, Northeastern. So there are some that are ahead of the curve. Generally speaking, I, I think that many schools are trying to figure out what it is they need to teach to new nurses and what do they need to do differently. Yeah. And I think that might become more confusing with time rather than less confusing because the depth and breadth of innovation and the 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 way in which AI and robotics and these technologies are going to get woven into the tapestry of healthcare is going to become much more intense and there's going to be a lot more to pay attention to. So I I wouldn't want to be one of those people at the schools trying to figure out what do we teach and what do we not teach and which technology is valid and and relevant and what can we not talk about. And they have so many other things to teach that I can see that this could really be an issue for schools if they want to keep up and they might need full-time full-time staff just to study the innovations happening. So it's a it's the wild west out there in some ways, don't you think? Yeah, again, I think some are farther than others, but I think really right now it's it's to focus on what is it we do teach? You yes. know, what do we teach on, about innovation as a skill or do we teach about emerging technology and innovations and their impact on nursing? So, I think you're right. We haven't really figured out where do we need to go yet. I think all of those you just mentioned would be great things to be addressed during nursing education and I know time and budgets are an issue and I totally understand that and I sympathize with it and I also think entrepreneurship is an important thing for nurses to be aware even exists because so many nurses come to me saying I didn't even know I could do that. I had no idea I could create something that could be sold or or patented or trademarked. So nurses need to understand it and 
if it doesn't happen in school, you kind of have to make it happen yourself or hang out with people who are who are ahead of the curve. And I hear from a lot of nurses who want to do things differently. They know that there's room for change and there's room for novelty and new ways of thinking. And I hear the frustration. And then I also run into people that I'm sure you talk to all the time who are actually doing it. They're actually taking those risks and putting out some pretty, what 10 years ago would have been a far out ideas, but now seem fairly doable. Yes. So, so do you see nurses' eyes opening and their minds opening to these ideas? Do you, are you seeing a sea change in terms of how nurses see themselves in their roles? Yeah, I think some of that's generational. I think that there are nurses um, who have been in the profession for a while that have sort of an image, a professional image and a visual image of how a nurse functions. Mm -hmm. And then I I think that there are people that have been in the profession less long, uh, also new nurses, right? We have uh, young millennials and soon we'll have Zers joining us. True. They grew up with basically the ability to create an app by watching YouTube. They grew Mm -hmm. up with Shark Tank. They've grown up knowing that if they didn't like something, they could change it. That isn't necessarily true of how all of us were kind of raised in nursing. So I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for nurses as a profession to identify the things that really require um, transformation or improvement and and get on it and, and collaborate together to do it. I see healthcare and and health particularly as something that will only be transformed if nurses are involved and in many cases leading the transformation. So I, I think we're essential to the equation. I think a lot of nurses do see themselves that way and are willing to get involved. Sometimes they just need a little nudge. And I think, you know, that's probably one of the the coolest things that I have the opportunity to do is really coach and mentor people and kind of just start to push them towards the edge a little bit and say, you really do, you got this, right? You really can do this. So now is the time for you to get involved. And and that's a pretty cool thing. I think we need to do a little more of that within our profession and encourage each other to lean in and do the things we're good at. Right. That is cool. And it's very exciting. And, you know, I say this over and over again, I love the millennial generation. I think they are incredibly open-minded on many social areas, you know, in terms of values and ethics and morals, et cetera. But I also see the ways in which they are able to embrace technology if they, if they choose to. And I think, you know, that generation is going to be in charge, fully in charge within 10 to 15 years, most likely. And we're seeing it happen in Congress. We're seeing it happen in healthcare and in every industry. And they're going to be the ones to carry this forward when you and I are, you know, sitting in a nursing home. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to be the ones, you know, pushing the envelope even further. And I find that super exciting. And well, hopefully I won't be in a nursing home, nor will you, but you know, what I mean. <laughs> um, as we, as we gray, let's say that. So is there anything before we go that you're just hot to talk about that we haven't mentioned, or have we touched the main points that have been on your mind lately? You know, I think we've covered a lot of real estate here. My biggest takeaway is that I want to meet nurses where they are to bring them into 
and along with us on the innovation journey, there are so many places nurses can show up, whether it's around technology or devices or whether it's around models of care, whether it's around access, we really want nurses to be involved. And sometimes we have to nudge around a little bit at the table to make room for ourselves, but we absolutely have to do that. So I really just encourage people to start the process. That's the biggest, scariest piece is just starting. Mm, so that's your takeaway to to uh, what I'm hearing is open your eyes, open your mind and see what interests you and dip your toe in the water. You bet. Right. And not you be bet. scared. Don't be scared of it. Don't be scared of the robots. They're not coming to get you right now. And just just see what interests you, what piques your curiosity. And if you're a younger nurse and you're going to be in the profession for, let's say, another 30 or 40 years, which might sound scary to you if you're listening right now, there plenty is going to happen in those 30 years. And there's you're going to see incredible changes. And Dr. Clipper, it's people like you who are leading the way. And we're so grateful to have you here and to be able to talk about this because it's so important. We can't ignore it. And we so appreciate your time. Oh, Keith, this has been awesome. It's been my pleasure. I think you've asked great questions and you make me continue to reaffirm every day kind of why I do what I do and why I love what I love. So it's the pleasure's been mine. Oh, wonderful. So there you have it. Thank you for listening to the Nurse Keith Show. Remember that the show notes for this episode are at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 208, where you can read all about Dr. Clipper, all about her work, and there'll be links and hopefully some other information there, the books we've mentioned, the people we've mentioned, and some other resources for you. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered, and I encourage you to take inspired action every day in the interest of your satisfaction and development in your career and your personal life. The Nurse Keith Show is edited and produced not by robots, but by Tim Hollowell and his team at thepodcastinggroup.com. And social media and promotion are handled by the very human and amazing Mark Cappy Spiesen. Stay positive, care for yourself and others, and take that inspired action and keep tuning in again and again as we dig deeper and deeper into your career and the world of healthcare here on The Nurse Keith Show. So be well, dig deep, seek joy, and keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Dr. Bonnie Clipper saying goodbye from... Silver Spring, Maryland. Beautiful Silver Spring, Maryland. Thank you, Dr. Clipper. We're so grateful, and we will see everyone on the other side. <laughs>